this is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read The Barefoot Princess by Christina Dodd, and I read Diana Rochelle's Urban Magic. Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here again for another episode of bringing you some of the worst books we could find, this time from our local library. Yes, the library is back in business, kind of, and it is wonderful. We managed to snag some ebooks off of the library, which is hilarious to me. I understand the whole point of licensure and everything like that. But it's very funny uh, to me for the library to have to be like, you have to return this file that we could easily just copy and mm-hmm. send to another person. The uh, funniest thing is that I am currently on a wait list for an ebook through the library that I will be on, it is predicting, for over six months. Yeah, so in order to access this just digital file, we got to wait for six months because other people are using that digital file. It's like when somebody attaches a PDF and then asks you to send it back so they can have it. Um, But anyway, we are here with two very different books. Uh, I had a good old-fashioned bodice ripper sort of thing with the Dukes and the England and the feudalism. Yeah, I feel like this was not a very original choice on my part. I'm going to make an effort to do better next time. I appreciate it. You've already picked out your your book. I have actually a listener suggestion, which I am very excited to share with you. I can wait to hear it. Uh, meanwhile, you got a nonfiction book, so to say. I did, and book. I cannot wait to tell you more about Diana Rochelle's Urban Magic. We have, we have spent so much time talking about urban fantasy. I know. That it's time. We got to figure out how to do it for we, we need to become practitioners of urban magic. Magic. With a K, of course. Mm-hmm. With a C and a K. A C and a K. That's how you know it's real. That's you. That's one thing about magic. You, you gotta, gotta know. know. Uh, sorry about blowing out your eardrums, but I'll get started here. We don't have much of a cold open because anything I would say would be very angry. But anyway, uh, The Barefoot Princess by Christina Dodd switches it up a little bit. Ooh, okay. We got some We got some things that are hot and hip and fresh in this romance novel. No, but okay. uh, I think it's why you picked it, but you've probably forgotten. The main character, Amy, who is an exiled princess, kidnaps a lord. Yes, I do remember this. So there's there's female in, uh, ingenuity and, and dastardliness to start us off. Okay. But of course he deserves it because he's not keeping up with his estates and they're they're falling into disrepair ah yes a very common reason for someone to be kidnapped and also it's like man that's you that's just what you know feudalism is that's why we need a guillotine but anyway so uh we get amy who is an exiled princess from i i didn't bother looking it up i assume the fictional uh kingdom of beaumont beaumontagne Mm, uh, yes, there's always a lot of the, unnecessary letters and vaguely French pronunciation yeah, in these. It's in the Pyrenees, uh, but she speaks fine English, and they have their own church. Uh, okay. So no worries about, you know, having to uh, pick between the English Anglican and the Catholic Church or the French, uh, you know, civic church. Oh, I thought they were saying that they had their own church because they didn't want to plagiarize the Bible. 
<laughs> no. They 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 have their own religion so that the reader can feel safe knowing that that they're a, a safe kind of heathen. Uh it is it is hinted at slightly that Amy had to leave her home because of basically the French Revolution overspilling its borders and coming into Beaumontagne uh, on its way to Spain in, in mm-hmm. the way that it did so often. The French epidemic, they called it. Ah, uh, yes. In addition to syphilis. Is this... So this is set in... The early 1800s. France. Is there magic in this? No. Or is it like just... No, it's straight. Okay. It's, it's packed straight. Uh, I feel like you were surprised that I asked that question. Given our experiences with these books, I feel like that is a fair question. Uh, there is pagan worship rituals, which are kind of yeah. uh, interesting and used to absolutely no uh, outcome. Um, but she kidnaps the Lord Lord of Northcliffe, so Lord Northcliffe, mm-hmm. uh, with the help of basically who was his childhood tutor in like this island village that is an hour's row away from his home or whatever i don't care because he belongs to the aristocracy and everything about him is offensive to me but (laughs) his name however is very funny because his name is j-e-r-m-y-n jeremy german oh german (laughs) what kind of utah ass name is german (laughs) german lord of northcliffe yeah that is something that seems very like a, a name that a, a person from Utah would give to their child or a name that a community in Iowa would give to their small town. <laughs> Welcome to Germany. It's spelled J-E-R-M-Y-N-Y. Except it's pronounced Germany. Germany. <laughs> uh, like that character from Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> one thing that did pop out to me is that the person who wrote this book, Christina Dodd, uh, very clearly was writing her characters to be attractive to the modern audience mm-hmm. and not attractive in at the, like the time period or anything. So you have German Lord Northcliffe, uh, who is tan and ripped and muscular, and it's like that's bad in yeah, the Georgian that era. That is not what would have been deemed conventionally attractive. We're out of the Elizabethan like lead paint on the face, you know, yeah. stuff. But it's like, you don't want to be outside a lot. Yeah. It's a sign You of, don't want to look like you spend your life working yeah. in a field or in a blacksmith shop yeah. or whatever. You, yeah. you want to be pale and not exactly, like, for goodness sakes, uh, ty- not typhoid, what's the, like, one beneath? Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, Was yeah. an almost fashionable disease because it kept you so pale and skinny. Yeah. Meanwhile, this guy's got biceps and shoulders and he's tan and that must mean he's attractive. Uh... In addition, at one point, a pistol is shot inside a small basement, and it is treated as like, oh, we dodged the bullet. And it's like, do you know how pistols work at that time? It's not exactly like a pirate's pistola, but the entire basement would be full of smoke and powder, (laughs) and the bullet would be bouncing places, and everyone would be very deaf. It's not just like a pew! (laughs) Anyway, so she kidnaps this guy because he's not paying up and so she's going to hold him for ransom get the uncle to pay the ransom and wouldn't you believe it the first ransom note comes back with a negative can you now guess the rest of the plot uh he stays with Who's her he? the the guy she kidnapped okay german german yeah Ger- Ger- german german um stays with her because he's unwanted at home or his people are unwilling to so pay no the parents ransom. the uncle yeah so the uncle is going to take over his stuff because he's been kidnapped and then the two of them fall in love 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the uncle will f- refuses to pay the r- the ransom, and the everyone in the characters are like, <gasps> except for Lord Northcliffe himself, are like, oh, they must not have the money. Like, we'll we'll lower the ransom amount. That's Ooh. not really how he that did, works. He didn't pay it because he wants him to die so he can take over the estate. Like, I feel like there should have been at least one character being like, hey, hey guys, <laughs> guys, this has a very easy answer. Actually, it's yeah. uh, it's not that complicated. Uh, so German doesn't trust what he constantly, and most of the other characters in this book constantly refer to as females. Ugh, I hate that. What is it about is that? bad books that they always call the females? Bad books and bad people. Well, yeah, they're, they're like this, but like, you sound like aliens. Yeah, that's not... It's just women. Yeah. Even I don't trust women is not exactly a great statement to say, but you'd be like, oh, you were hurt in the past. And meanwhile, I don't trust female. You'd be like, females, you're like, you have something wrong with you. And that's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> yeah. So it's, they, they say female all the time. Um, so we know, obviously the mean uncle wants him dead. Uh, his wife or his mother left the family under suspicious circumstances. So he doesn't trust women and... You're like, uh, the uncle killed the mom, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Everyone He's trying to take everything out. over, yeah. Yeah, uh, but no, there remains like 80% of the book to read, and it just drags on. <laughs> I don't know if, like, I think that there are several things at play here. I think that this book is predictable. That is one. I think that you have, like, you are an intelligent person who understands how fiction works, and so you are good at predicting what's going to happen. And also, we have read so many bad books that we've just sort of memorized all of the possible plots. Yeah, we have run out of possibilities here. So uh, the biggest thing that jumps out to me here is not just the predictability and not just the fact that it drags on, because it's competently, like, Moment to moment, beat to beat, written like the language is fine. Mm. Uh, the three sex scenes we get are like Ooh. fine. They're not gross, okay. but they're not like to write in your diary or anything like that. In fact, I'm gonna get to why they're not especially great either. But the biggest thing is a critical reading lack of attention to detail. So he's in the basement of this house, and her and the like the old maid of the village bring him down uh, breakfast. And he gets all mad and he smashes the teapot and he scatters the buns on the ground. And then the old lady's like, oh, I'll get you some clean buns, dear boy. And he feels bad because he he liked this old lady. She was like basically his tutor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he eats the dirty bun and feels very bad about breaking her like only good tea set because he oh, is yeah. discounted. But then she's so shaken by this. They go upstairs and like uh, Amy, I had to look to remember the main character's name. Amy like prepares her bed and gets her to put to bed. Yeah. It was breakfast. Oh. Maybe maybe she was just so shaken that she wanted to it's, restart it the is day. Definitely pitched as like it is now night and they are going back to bed. <gasps> oh no. Uh, also, I feel like Amy is not a very early eighteen hundreds. Especially name. not Spanish French border town. Yeah. yeah. Um, of all the like romantic sounding names they could have given to her, like Amy doesn't really seem to fit this setting or the time period. Her two other sisters who are in the extended universe, the Barefoot Princess is part of a uh, a trio, one for each of the sisters. Uh, I think this is the second. Uh, the other two sisters Naturally. get more exotic names. Mm. 
in addition to the lack of attention to detail, there's the pistol shot that just goes without any sort of uh, problem. Then at one point he is manacled. The the Lord has been manacled to the wall. And at one point he's obviously they're so attracted to each other, which we'll get to in a second. But at one point he launches himself at her to Mac on her, gets caught up by the manacle and then like kind of falls into her and therefore on top of the bed. And I've drawn but myself... he's chained to the wall? Oh, well, yeah, he's chained to the wall. I've drawn myself a little diagram that he would be <laughs> moving away from the bed, assumedly, that she would not have interposed herself between him and the bed because she's supposed to be at, like, the very reach of this manacle, right? Yeah. So he somehow falls into her and they land in a 180-degree tumult <laughs> back on the bed. It's a very good diagram, if I may say so myself. Oh, man. One of the things that was uh, very disheartening during the reading of this book, uh, without being necessarily the author's fault... Is that the Kindle has no Kindle had no like dots? You know how Kindle has dots for mm-hmm. sections, it had none of those. So I had no idea when the next chapter was coming or anything like that. And so when the first sex scene happened at only, uh, give me a, a straight second, fifty six percent is the first like straight on and yeah. down boning. It's very early for a uh, a bodice ripper, and I yeah. found out why because it's kind of like. All right. They just sort of ran out. There wasn't yeah. much you, you story. Bone. Yeah, and so yeah. then they have to come up with, like, the Axe 2 plot twist, but it's like, you already bone. Whatever. I have said this before, and I'm sure I will say it again. Sometimes I just want romance novels, bodice rippers, whatever, to not have an Act 2. <laughs> there are a lot of books that we've read that if they didn't have an Act 2, it would have been just a fine... So what you're describing, basically, you, you just need to get into the fan fiction community. Oh, okay. Yeah, just not that I'm saying that from experience. So, and I'm not saying that, like, all I want is the boning, but, like, it's okay to just tell a short story of, like, two people who meet and fall in love, and then they bone, and then, and then the story's done. Yeah. Like, that... Because so yeah. am I. I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this book is not great. But the worst part about it is that Bodice Rippers always uh, run on power relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a and lo- often yucky power relationships. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what's funny is most of the grossest books we've read by language have like the, I'm a fucked up guy, I'm a troop, and yeah. I was never loved, so now I... But like, the thing that makes them the fucked up guy is that basically they just like rough sex. Yeah. Right? And to each their own, as long as it's consensual and everything, like, rough sex, if both people are into it, that's not that fucked up. Yeah. Right? Like, the whole making out with your 17-year-old guardian, that's fucked up. Yeah. But the whole, like, I like to dominate, whatever, during sex, that's fine. But this one uh, goes beyond that. Uh, And so I'm going to give you just, like, a straight up and down trigger warning for, like, uh, sort of yucky power relationships. And it says, quote, like a shock of ice water, his hand touched her bare thigh. Her eyes flew open. She jumped because he had, t- like, fallen onto the bed and another mm-hmm. macket. And she, secretly, she likes it. Of course, secretly. Uh, her eyes flew open. She jumped. She said, stop it, Northcliffe. Hey, what's the next thing somebody should say? Okay. Okay, sorry. No, uh, his expression hadn't changed. He still looked lazily intent. Which, what's that even mean? <laughs> lazily intent? She simply hadn't realized what he was intent upon. You can't do this, she kicked at him. What's the next thing a person should say? I'm sorry, you're right, and then leave. Yeah, I can. Uh, 
then she says, I'm going to scream. What's the next person? What's the thing that somebody should say? I'm sorry. You're right. And then leave. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Uh, and he said, I don't think so. I don't think Miss Victorine could hear you to begin with. And I know you don't want her to rush down the stairs to rescue you. You don't want her to see you on the cot with me. She might realize you haven't been struggling as hard as you should. Oh, my God. Gross, 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 gross. Ew. Yes. I hate that very much. This goes beyond, like, fucked up sexual taste or whatever. And in to not only physical sort of uh, uh, intimidation, but also manipulation of uh, all sorts of different types. Hey, folks, consent is actually really easy, if you didn't know. It's it's very it's easy. very easy to get. Very easy to get. And if someone says no, <laughs> but they actually mean yes, guess what? They should have said yes. So stop. Ugh, gross. Uh, some more emotional manipulation planning. Uh, this is him narrating, basically. Once she was bound to him by loyalty and affection, and he never doubted he could generate those emotions within her, she would be his forever. Gross! Then we get... Oh, so he escaped when they made out on the bed. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't bone at that point. They just made out, and for some reason that broke the manacle that was holding him, and so... He like, how hard were they making out? I don't know. Broke it a man or how bad was this manacle? I don't know. Femalical. Thank you. Oh, man. okay. Um, Malical. <laughs> so uh, he leaves to prepare intricate plots for Act 3, I guess, and then comes back to the house and comes and goes in the dark and doesn't let him know that he's actually free because wouldn't you know it, they fell in love. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting so tired of not only the... I hate you, actually, uh, even though you've done nothing to make me like you, yeah. I love you very much. I feel like uh, bodice strippers especially, but romance books just in general, are like a GPS that's on like a 20-second delay where it's like, hey, you should have taken a right 20 yards ago. It's like, that doesn't make sense. I can't work yeah. with this when you're, you're you know, uh, what's it called in D&D &D when you... Retcon. When you're retconning all of your feelings and stuff like that. Um, and so he comes back and forth and... Eventually, there's an assassin from the uncle to get it, to kill him and then pin it on the kidnappers and, mm -hmm. and everything like that. Yeah. And so it reveals that he has been free, and so now they need to catch the uncle. But before they do this, he can't stand to be apart, so they're going to be married. And she's like, I don't want to get married to you right now. And so, and he, the correct response to that is, okay, and then he leaves, yeah. right? Instead, he uh, picks her up and starts carrying her out. Uh because there is a pagan uh, arch on the island where he is that if someone walks under the arch with their bride, they are married for a year until confirmed by the church, they, they just end it or a child is born cementing the marriage. What the heck? So she says, I won't walk through the wedding arch with you. Quote, he says, the arch is traditionally used by grooms with reluctant brides. <laughs> Gross. For the arch is tall enough for a man with a woman on his shoulder. He overpowered her. He knew damned good and well that that was the only way he'd win this fight. And besides, he rather enjoyed it. He had turned the tables on the vixen. Now she danced to his tune. Gross. Yeah. So this one is... So now they're married against her will. Married against her will, but secretly she liked it the entire time. Except she straight up and down says, My lord, I won't be wed in such a way. She Amy thumped him again. He grunted. I didn't ask you if you would be wed. I told you that I would wed you. Ew, gross. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, so lots of disgustingness. That's way grosser than like rough sex and into just terribleness. Uh, there's flashbacks. I don't care. 
it just kept going and going. They're in love. He's free. They're married in this gross, illogical thing. Uh, it's going to an obvious end. They're going to catch the uncle trying to actually kill him. And then that happens. And once you know it, it gets proven that he killed the mom. And so it turns out he never was supposed to distrust females in the whole the first place. Oh, man. Uh, Those darn females. I am happy to tell you that in the there's like a cutaway for like a week or two to prepare for his 30th birthday and his celebratory escaping the kidnappers ruse to get his uh, uncle yes, to come yes uh she meets a couple of his good friends and whew, we are at like 75 percent, and we just barely managed to introduce one of those very very necessary just it's a cornerstone a keystone of the romantic book usually a rom-com uh characters what's a keystone of a rom-com character that we might not have met yet the best friend character which kind of best friend uh, either butch lady or gay man. Gay man best friend. <laughs> Gotta be the gay man best friend. Uh, we managed to get that right in there at about 75% to absolutely no end. There's no reason for him to be in there. He's just like, oh, honey, your dress is so terrible. Let and me... I'm sure it was done really tastefully. And it, like, hey, during the late Georgian, early Victorian era, homosexuality wasn't really a problem, but also you couldn't be like, out yeah. and so everyone is treating him like he is just flat out like out uh and which so, wasn't really a thing not really a thing uh it also wasn't as taboo as it is like was for the previous hundred yeah. years but it hmm. uh it was not a, a thing you could actually admit to is yeah we don't have to get into the that but he's just basically either be like your style's terrible why don't you let me make up your gods for this but this birthday i wish i got to bone your husband and then that's it. He's, he's like, gone from the story. Gross. And then there's... There's a, a lot of gross stuff in this book. Yeah. And then uh, the epilogue is basically just him, the German, uh, after a real marriage. And she's pregnant. She got pregnant. Mm, uh, yes, that and often it turned, happens immediately. And it turns out that uh, he always expected her to get pregnant because the, the arch is not just a wedding arch. It's also a fertility arch. And so he oh, never even thought that there would be a chance for her to only leave after a year because he knew that the the pregnancy would seal the wedding. So he super forced her into this thing that she now can't escape from. But Great. she doesn't want to at this point in the story. Do we ever hear that from her? Uh, yeah, even though she continually uh, is mad at him for little to no reason. Also good. Well, also I mean, there's good. a lot of reasons to be mad I mean, at him. Yeah. yeah, but it's not the reason she lists. Um... The end of the book is this absolutely unnecessary epilogue where he goes back to the home village or whatever, since he has now seen the error of his ways and is giving all this money to this one specific village, which it's like, hey, the fact that you have legal uh, nobility and legal privileges means that no matter what you do, it's an unethical situation. Mm -hmm. But now he's paid out to fix their village or whatever. So he's at like this whole thing, dancing and drinking with the fishermen and they love it. And he basically just gives a speech. Yeah, because of course they're just going to, oh, okay, I guess we're all good now. We like you. That's, definitely, that's exactly what happens. That's definitely how that's going to work. Um, and so he basically just gives a mostly drunken rambling speech that recaps the entire book. And then uh, at the end. You were finishing this book up today and you seemed to be under the impression that you were like very close to being done. And then about 20 minutes later, I hear you yell, this book just keeps going. I thought upstairs. it was, you know, without the section things, I thought it was going to be one of those books where like, 15% of the book is the yeah. next book's preview or whatever. Yeah. 
but it just kept going and not ending and I didn't bother looking to see if there was a preview. That is one thing that is sometimes challenging about Kindle is that you don't know when to expect the ending, which oftentimes, more often with bibliophile books, you're Comes like, abruptly. yeah, you're like, oh, it, it ended. You can be my it's rock star over. anytime. <laughs> what? Um, would you like a palate cleanser by talking about Diana Rochelle's Urban Magic? I have been looking forward to this since I found it on the library website. Tell me about Urban Magic. I want to meet Diana Rochelle and take her out for a drink. Wasn't she the lead singer of the Supremes? Because she just seems really cool. So this book... You just know she'd order something very weird. Yeah. This book is bonkers. Like hemlock. Well, maybe not quite that weird. This book is bonkers, but in a very good and surprisingly wholesome way. Oh, good. I will get to that. Okay. So, uh, first I want to start out by telling you some of the basics about urban magic. So, in the first few chapters of this book, Diana takes us through the basics, introducing some concepts, explaining to us what a city witch does, um, and how you yourself can become an effective city witch and practice magic in your city. Can I become a city witch or would I be a city warlock or a city wizard? Um, This seemed to be very gender inclusive. Okay. So anyone can be a city witch. So uh, in the first chapter, or the first paragraph, I'm sorry, I was a little nervous because the first paragraph contained this sentence. The occult is a bursting closet with behemothic layers of interesting... <laughs> Speaking of bibliophile running into the end of things unexpectedly, yeah. of interesting. Interesting. So that was, I was like, oh no, this is going to be a rough one. Um, but it, it settles down a little does it bit. Ask there the, are some pretty wild terminology here. Does it ask witches to come out of that bursting closet? <laughs> In a way, yes. So... It is important to always start with definitions. By the way, my recap is going to be a lot of reading quotes from this because that. that is just the way you have to do it. That's just the so way it is. So let's start off with the magical definition of a city, which includes the legal definition. <laughs> but in addition, for urban magic, the following conditions must exist. An identity shared by the city's residents, Londoner, Parisian, New Yorker, Minneapolite. Iowa Citian. Iowa Citizen. That's pretty good, yeah. but also that then that's a resident of the state of Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Um, a steady multi-choice mass transit system. Your bus system Hawk, is yeah, yeah. Ames's is better. Yeah, at least one area where buildings exceed ten floors. Graduate. Yep. Um, and there's a couple other buildings downtown. So yeah, I think, I think Iowa City like the barely view. squeaks by. Well, it's, it's right there in the name. What would it be if it was in the city? Would it be Iowa City, the town? Yeah. The township even? Township, maybe. Yeah. Um, then we need to learn what a city spirit is. I, I don't mean to narrow cast, but we got one faithful listener. Does Madison have a city that is above, or a building that's above 10 stories? I can't picture one Does in my mind. Does the capital count? Because I don't like like. I don't think the capital is ten stories. Ten stories is yeah. fairly tall. I don't know, Michelle. Please tweet at us and tell us if Madison has a building I'm gonna, of ten stories or more. I'm gonna turn my phone on loud. Um, and then so we also have to understand what a city spirit is, which we start off by talking about what a city spirit is not. A city spirit is not a genius loci, 
The genius loci is the intelligence inherent in the land of an area, including the land a city stands on. The city spirit manifests by forming an intelligence from the collective intelligence and energy generated from the people living in a city. Major cities have both a genius loci, a land spirit, and a city spirit, in addition to the several smaller spirits that can populate a landscape. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> I have a very clear picture of what I think Iowa City's city spirit would be. Ooh, what is that? No, I want to hear what would Iowa City what would Iowa City's city spirit be? I think Iowa City's city spirit would be one of those like young-ish but approaching middle age uh, women who have a lot of yard signs in their front yard, grow their own herbs. And are really involved in local politics. I love the middle, like young middle-aged woman yeah. with a lot of yard signs. You're losing me on the the urban garden. Okay. I don't know that Iowa City bears that out. I think ours would be a like a prematurely gray-haired uh, dude with a like a messenger bag <laughs> yeah. that gets drunk and complains about. It would be so much different if Gore had won. <laughs> In the yes. year of our Lord 2020, would be talking about if Gore had won. Oh, like, it's that, that kind yeah. of liberal, you know? Yep, that, that does make a lot Which of sense. Which they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. It would be very different. That could be the Iowa City city spirit or a good example of a city magician in our city. A mm. city magician may well Wait, weave... we're not going to talk about every other city in Iowa's city spirit? That's I don't know. all I want to do. Okay, well, we can get back. We'll loop back to that, but I've got a lot right, of ground I'm to cover. I'm putting a mark on there. A city magician may well weave in material from other trainings and traditions. In the course of a month, a city magician may incorporate Kabbalah, traditional witchcraft, Jewish. and chaos Wicked. sigils. And that would be a slow month. The practice is strange, uncharted, and fluid, much like a day wandering your city could be. Okay, now I want to go back to your idea, though, real quick. What would the city spirit of Ames be? I think it's the city spirit of Ames, <laughs> it's a little bit contemporary. It's a little bit too uh, current events, but I think it bears out, it bears reasoning, would be a burly white dude with a dip being like, if it was asked, they'd be like, sure is a shame what happened to John Lewis. <laughs> like, no, no. Like, not even an intimidation way, just like this huge, big chewing tobacco and be like, you know, they, those protesters really do have a point. <laughs> like, it's completely... Like, wow. Yeah, that's a pretty... I did not expect that viewpoint coming from that person. That's that pretty spot on. Uh, Cedar Rapids City Spirit would be a strip mall parking lot. <laughs> that's not a person, but I can't No, disagree. it's the spirit. <laughs> it's the kind of spirit you would find in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. And it would smell like Quaker Oats. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a fun game. Cedar we Falls. Should, we should, oh, Cedar Falls Let's would be... Let's just do all the regions. Uh, a young mom... With a lot of children. Hmm, where are you getting this idea from, Susan? <laughs> what former co-worker of yours are you getting this idea from? I don't know, what, would, what do you think Cedar Falls would be? Uh, I don't know, Cedar Falls never felt very coherent. To yeah. Me. And it doesn't have a building over 10, I don't know, there are the towers over 10 stories? Yeah. Shit. 13. Okay, Miss S.A.A., uh... I think the city spirit of Cedar Falls is someone who sees the UNI Panthers playing on TV and goes, huh, nice, and then changes the channel. <laughs> it's all of us. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's a very good. Uh, there are four different Council Bluffs? pathways. Oh, Council Bluffs. Um, Council Bluffs would be 
Someone who peaked in high school, for sure. You're saying that the Council Bluffs <laughs> spirit is a cop? <laughs> yes, it is. They've uh, um, flunked out of community college and then decided to go into law enforcement. The city spirit—that would be a weird magic coming out of Council Bluffs. <laughs> yeah. That like all of this, all of the like uh, demons you raise or whatever you do in city magic yeah. would have a Blue Lives Matter tattoo on them. Oh, gross. Well, now that that brings us into that's a good segue. There are four different pathways for urban mm. magic. You can practice civic the civic path, which engages the city energy for social change. The chaotic path for those inclined to experiment with the unknown and even invent new deities and servitors just to see what happens. The hearth and home path, which let me know who you think of when I read this description, who we know that we th- that, that you think of. The hearth and home path. People who prioritize keeping their homes and families safe and provided for. A hearth and home which often in, often evolves the arts of cooking and gardening and along with it learns candle and soap making. <laughs> I was going to say Meg the entire time yep. and then it came through. Um, Disloyal our, listener. Our sister-in-law Meg is a hearth and home witch. Uh, the priesthood path. Some but not all city spirits select one person or a few people to act as priests assigning to certain magic workers the spiritual care of itself. Diana herself learned urban magic in Minneapolis, but is now the city witch in San Francisco, or the, the city priest of San Francisco. Wow, that is a heady title. Mm-hmm. Because I'm willing to bet there's a lot of believers in San Francisco. Yeah. I don't. We don't have famous enough friends. You can have multiple per city priests, wow. though. So she's not the only city priest in San Francisco. Um, do you want to hear some of my favorite really bonkers stuff in this book? This hasn't been the no. really bonkers stuff? Ever. No, this has just been the basics. If you have a leaky faucet and can't call a plumber right away, try calling out the element of water from within the faucet itself. That's and, the problem that's leaking. And ask it to draw off the flow in a way that doesn't leak. When struggling with the heating bill in your apartment... Draw out the element of fire in your walls and ceiling to encourage the ambient temperature to rise so that you don't need to turn your thermostat so high. So you're telling me that the spirit of fire is a blanket? Yeah, pretty much. Um, How many elements does this book have? Uh, This one talked about five. Water, fire, earth, air, and spirit. Ah, spirit. Mm -hmm. No stone, no ice. she did note that different cultures will honor different elements. And so she was always very clear to say, this is what is practiced in the West. And Mm. so she was very, very um, specific about those things, which, which I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to that. Um, Here's, here's some other things. Um, so she references the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Or um, the ultimate in uh, magic. It's been a long time since I've read that book, and I did not remember this particular part. But she talks about um, there's a ship with a cloaking device called the Somebody Else's Problem Field. The ship yeah, sat in the yep. The ship ship sat in the middle of a cricket field, and the players played right over it as if it weren't there because it registered as somebody else's problem. She said, "This is exactly how invisibility magic works. Technically, you remain part of the scenery, but eyes never quite focus on you or the target you wish to escape notice. This works on items as small as a ring or as large as a building." Project a not-your-problem field to get past canvassers and street preachers or when you must walk past someone aggressive. So, numero uno, that that part comes from the last Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy oh, book. Oh, okay. Uh, 
I want to say so long and thanks for all the fish was the last book, but it might have been the third out of four. Mm. Uh, secondly, I think she's just telling you to be the crazy lady on the street that people want to avoid. Yeah. And she's found a reason for, and a Douglas Adams reference to back her up. Yeah, of like, just just be the kind of person that no one wants to deal with and they'll ignore you. I, I mean, as far as that goes, my earbud sunglasses mask combo has been doing pretty good. <laughs> Covers up all of your senses. It covers up all my senses and distinguishing features, and I've still done very little crime. <laughs> um, once you decide how you want to get to the city on a psychic level, you can mm. prepare for the ritual itself. Choose an ancient city you want to experience, and at what point in time. This is about getting to know um, an ancient city. Let's go to Cahokia. It doesn't have to be the city that you live in. It doesn't have to exist. Spend it doesn't least, have to. It could be a fake city. Well, it doesn't have to exist anymore. Oh, yeah, Spend Cahokia. Spend at least two weeks researching that city. Oh, Start ne- now. never mind. Gather what images and stories you can to represent that city in your working. You might print out line drawings and maps like from Nazca. ancient books. To collect prayers written for the city gods and prepare offerings and libations originating from the culture of your chosen city. This may have practical limits. Most urban dwellers do not have an apartment set up that allows for sheep slaughter. And public <laughs> park commissions can be iffy about such practices. <laughs> At, uh, go ahead. Susan. Yes? When it comes to the free exercise clause of the First Amendment given uh, religious freedoms mm-hmm. that Congress shall make no law uh, yeah. restricting the something something religion yeah where does animal sacrifice fall on that thing i mean i feel like you're not allowed to because it's infringing on the life of another being right (laughs) you are giving a lot of credit to the legal arguments (laughs) all right what is the actual reason it it is it is forbidden because okay. it, is, it is, in fact, animal cruelty. They see it as animal cruelty, which you may point out that killing a sheep for religious purposes and killing a sheep in order to eat it does not seem very different. But most animal sacrifice is indeed forbidden uh, under the free establishment clause. Interesting. Or free exercise clause, excuse okay. me. What about drug use? Uh, also no, because also it's no. breaking other laws. Breaking more important society. They, they deem more important societal laws that does not actually restrict your enjoyment and belief you have the right to believe in a religion you do not always have the right to practice a religion interesting Mm -hmm. okay very see we this is a really uh informational educational podcast yeah i'm very into it i'm surprised you guys the microphone hasn't picked up my notes (laughs) i'm gonna become the iowa city priest so one thing that i liked a lot about this book is that in addition to you know uh, advice about how to perform an energy ritual and some types of items that you might want to have, like uh, a smudge in lemongrass or lavender. Sounds like bug soother. Uh, quartz crystals, tourmaline. I don't even know what that is. Like it also crystal. has some pretty good advice about life and relationships, <gasps> um, either directly or indirectly. Things like Curiosity, especially after several decades of adulthood, can take some rekindling. It isn't just an emotional condition. It's a skill. It takes skill and discipline to have new questions about things and to want to know what things and people are. It's also the single best way to form a relationship, whether with a spirit or a person. It's a very good advice about relationship building. This is like combining the social studies curriculum and Dale Carnegie with crystals. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> and it, it is it is lovely. Um, another piece of advice that she gives, placing a bright flower in a dreary place can open an avenue for positive energy. Giving a small donation to a homeless shelter can bring one family off the street for a night. Small intentional actions taken daily can build paths of opportunity for yourself or others. I just say chaos witches should disrupt the housing market. So... Cast an anti-condo spell. There's some stuff about that, too. So, the thing that I loved the most about this book, that I think you are also going to love the most about this book, is that... Diana Rochelle advocates for urban magic as social justice practice. Hell yeah. Osseo means of production. 100%. (laughs) So here's, here's some things that I just really enjoyed. Ethics is considered by most a method used for determining right from wrong. Okay. I'm very excited to hear her social justice thing, but this is getting kind of silly to the point of Webster's Dictionary defines wedding as the merging of two different metals. But from... (laughs) From That's my perspective, from office, but... it is more an area of thought to consider whom our actions affect and how. Whatever ethical model works for you, please found it on introspection and thorough questioning. Before working any magic, pause and think carefully about everyone it might affect and in what way they might be affected. She has a lot to say about housing practices. Hell this yes. is going to be right up your alley. Um, I'm doing the social justice snap. Yes. Hell yeah. The way we cordon off city neighborhoods by money and race shows our prejudices, shows us our prejudices, and that is energy that must be recognized and honored before we have any hope of redirecting it. Which I, I feel like, like in the larger context, is basically like we have to understand what we've done wrong and in what ways these practices have been harmful as we work to find solutions. Like we have to understand the history of redlining and the impact that that's had to this day in order to find a better solution that works. Not crazy about the word honored, but uh, I do enjoy that. Thank you for reading Urban Magic. Uh, For further reading, please see The Color of Law. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one I found really interesting too. The most visible disquiet can appear on mass transit. Taking transit gives you a chance to practice checking your filters. For instance, if you encounter someone with visible mental illness on the bus, observe yourself first. What are your gut reactions? What do you hear yourself think? Do you feel judgment, disgust, fear? What about pity? What does pity make you feel about yourself? Root out the why of every response. Look deep into your reaction. Some of these people are ill. Some of the clean cut ones are criminals. And some of, this is the best part. And some of the strange ones are non-human sentient spirits that have integrated into city life. Of course. You know, (laughs) consensus politics can be a frustrating endeavor. Mm. But I gotta say, I I welcome the the caucus that has urban magicers, urban witches. 100%. Um, What if... That guy on the bus is just trying to generate a uh, not-my-problem field. He very well could be. Yeah. He very well could be. Seems like internal dislogic. Um, that actually, you have been spot-on on segueing into my next points today. <laughs> Later chapters include I rituals think... you may wish to perform in public. I, I hate to interrupt once again. That's not true. I love interrupting you, apparently, because I do it so often. But I think that speaks to her writing. And I that so it, it leads you to conclude. It really so. does. Later chapters include rituals you may wish to perform in public. If you live in an area where the law has an arbitrary attitude about your right to freedom of assembly, Hmm. you may end up breaking the law. In a pinch, you can always claim that what you're doing is performance art. Authorities (laughs) never know what to do with performing artists. And that's what, like, I love her writing style because 
it brings in these like yes it's a very droll and it combines these like very serious like good advice kinds of real life things with you know non-human sentient spirits that have integrated into city life if there's anything we've learned over the past two months Mm -hmm. is that authorities tend to respect peaceful gatherings whether or not they're breaking the law yeah exactly definitely that that has also happened in iowa city for sure i do love that she's shouting out that law is not the same thing as right and wrong yes very enjoy that too she um hits a lot on the idea of housing housing projects tend to develop spirits of their own and when those projects are raised the spirits linger to city priests and civic magicians r-a-z-e-d yes raised raised r-a-z-e-d I advise against exorcism. Erasure has already dug too deep into our shared magical fabric. Instead, performing rituals of healing that reconnect the land and the neighborhood spirit or that reconnect the neighborhood spirit to those who fought for collective dignity are more honorable ways to handle these urban phantoms. This is amazing. Yes! For a lot of reasons, but also because I have no idea how to actually think about this sort of thing. I feel like... If I had to sum up my emotional state listening to these quotes, it would be the video of the woman. I can't remember what she was drinking, but it's the it's that standard reaction picture of the like, <laughs> ugh, and then the mm, oh, actually, kombucha girl, kombucha, kombucha girl, right. yeah, where she's like, ugh, and then mm, actually, kind yeah. of, because it's like, uh, you don't bother with an exorcism, and I'm like, why would that even be a thing? Erasure is a very big problem. Oh that yeah, that's a pretty big thing. We should in- engage in these rituals mm, in order to actually uh, feel like we're healing. Find healing, the, yeah, yeah. Find healing. healing in the neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, here's some more of that. Cities are famously unequal places. We often mentally divide large cities into good and bad neighborhoods without saying out loud what that division means or considering how a neighborhood came to have its particular label. All right, Robin D'Angelo. Most of these blighted neighborhoods had thriving minority communities that found ways to make do without public support. Hell yeah. She is very anti-gentrification. Spurred by city planners, the solution to this so-called disease was urban renewal. This renewal usually involved tearing down entire communities and replacing them with highways or with housing too expensive for the displaced to afford. I think, uh, to be fair, those are two very different things. I think so too, but I I think her overall like her overall point knows is that this is like this was not a book that was written as like yeah, here's true. here's a social justice book. The color of law out, too. Yeah. yeah, the spirits of um, law. So I like the fact that she is bringing these ideas to the book. Um, the neighborhoods at six. So she's talking about what what creates a successful neighborhood. Um, the neighbors that succeed often did so through the leadership of a women-led grassroots organizations. These women not only rallied their communities, they implemented changes without government oversight, sometimes to the point of civil disobedience. Even in modern days, as disaster capitalists exploited the tragedy of her- Hurricane shit. Katrina, women in New Orleans fought to wrest their city back from opportunism. Resisting urban renewal became a foundation cause in grassroots politics in the United States and is a reason why some cities still maintain their own spirit and flavor, while others have become bland. The strongest neighborhood has citizens who are able to stand up and fight. Hot diggity damn. And that I just, is some That is some fire coming from our urban I know! She, she cast fireball. I, I love it. And I feel like this book was... There were definitely, like... 
here's how you do a ritual to bring down housing costs in your neighborhood and that kind of thing. But there was also these, like, sometimes once, scorching indictments. Once every two years. <laughs> on the second Tuesday after the, or the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. Uh, I will say I never expected Alistair Crowley to meet Naomi Klein. And- <laughs> That is one of the most, the skinniest Venn diagram yes, I've ever Yes, and Diana created. Rochelle owns the overlap in that Venn diagram. I think a good way to sum up this book is with, this is the final quote that I have, in both urban design and magic, at some point you must let go and take responsibility for all possible consequences. And I feel like that was very much a theme of this book. Like, it was teaching you how to engage with your city, the city spirit, but also with your community. And it was making sure you knew that you don't get to step away from any consequences and you should think about how your actions are going to impact those around you um, and also how you can use what you have, whether that's like financial or a goat material head. or spiritual to make positive change in your community. Well, still, even if you're working for positive change, thinking about are there going to be any unintended negative consequences on that and how do I mitigate it, which is not the message I expected to get from Urban Magic, but it was so good. Yeah, I did not expect you to come come away with this with a uh, relevant yeah. political... The fact that a big chunk of it was about like housing issues in cities was very unexpected and I enjoyed it very much. God. I think that Diana Rochelle, if she hasn't read it already, would really enjoy the color of law. <laughs> I I just love to think about the meeting where a bunch of lanyard wearing Oxford shirt Democrats have to be like, mm-hmm, and kind of nod along to Diana yeah. Rochelle. <laughs> And then, yeah, that but that's the thing is, I feel thing. like in like super progressive circles, you're just like, yeah, sure, cool, yep. Are you gonna I, vote? <laughs> I do feel like, um, so I have been to a couple of pride parades over the years, um, and in one of the or the most recent pride parade uh, I went, rip. there was Damn. a 2019, unfortunately, there was a group uh, of women marching or of of folks marching in the pride parade that had like. Which is like witches for man. black lives and like witches for pride or whatever, and it was great. I loved it. Nice. So yeah. Do you think that urban uh, witches are trying to reclaim the term black magic? <gasps> Maybe. 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 So I, I, I overall this was this was a very interesting read I, and very unexpected, and I loved it. It was this some good energy from this book. I am both delighted and disappointed that I, I got you <laughs> such a good one. Are you going to be like the the people who are like, yeah, I know like crystals and astrology are kind of bunk, but they they help give like an energy and a direction. Are you going to be like that with urban politics now? You know, if this is what works for people to galvanize people to make moves for social positive social change in their community, awesome. Like if that's what works for you, go for it. All right, we got to think of some sort of like pun or some sort of term for the political party founded on urban magic principles. Hmm. Algorchemists. Algorchemists. <laughs> um, 
the Griffin Dorchester Democrats. Yeah. But that would be yeah. kind of the opposite of actual social justice. Take that, Joe Kennedy the third. Ugh. I don't know. I'll, I'll, th- I'll think on that. I might have a better one next episode. I also am going yeah. to think of more stereotypes for city spirits in different places around our state. Yeah, I, I think we have we have uh, undone the amount of cities that are present in Iowa. We'd have to start reaching yeah. out of Iowa. Sioux yeah. City we still have. Oh, Mason just... City might have it. I don't think Mason City would have a building over 10 stories. We're pretty limited in our state here. But ever, the, this is going to be our new thing whenever we travel, if we ever get to travel What's again. What's the city? What is the city spirit for this particular town? All right, well, let's do places we have been before. What's the city spirit for Chicago? Chicago? Um, it's like, I mean, it's kind of dated, but I think it, it can't help but hold. It has got to be the SNL skit of the guys in the big sunglasses and the yeah. mustache. And, and Bratwurst. <laughs> Duh, bears. We are going to, we're going to come through here and cast some spells. Uh, we're hoping that Cutler this time can make it into the Super Bowl. Cutler hasn't been uh, the quarterback of the Bears for a while. Okay, then Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is, uh, I think, they got a lot of, sh- you don't care about this one iota, but I have to say this okay. now. Okay. The Bears got a lot of shit about drafting a guy named Mitch Trubisky, who is not very good, yeah. over several different black quarterbacks who are very, very good. But I think that the Bears kind of looked around and had to be like, how do we in Chicago not draft a dude named Mitch Trubisky. You just bit all over my face while saying that. Out loud. Yeah, well. Anyway. Hey, Mick. You're a rock star. I want to. I want us to tell each other about our books for the upcoming time. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, you tell me my book first. I will say that author Eva Chase apparently lives in Canada with her family. She loves stories, both swoony and supernatural. And strong women and the men who appreciate them. So right. we've got a nom okay. de plume with a character, with a cartoon author, which like more power to you. Maybe she's a public school teacher and will get fired if she does okay. anything interesting. But, Ooh, five woo! stars. Oh, it's Phenomenal. Free. It's, I devoured this book. I got really excited because it's free, but it's on Kindle. On no, it's $5 in real life money. Shit. Okay. Cool Eva Chase, magic. you deserve it, even if it's terrible. Uh, okay. Eva Chase's Cruel Magic. I thought I was ordinary Rory Franco, which is already a great name, college student, artist, and overprotected daughter. Then mages barge into my family's home. In the description, we are confusing tenses. (laughs) Murder my parents and whisk me off to a university known to the rest of magical society as Villain Academy. Is this the one that we've already read? No. It is not. It oh, came no. in an email directly after the one we already read. No. Get, no, I have to read at least one more because this name. It turns out I'm Persephone Bloodstone. <laughs> the long lost heir. <laughs> the long lost heir to one of the five royal families of dark magic. <coughs> I'm destined to learn how to manipulate the world with fear and to stand beside the four other scions, the scorching hot, arrogant young men who rule this school. I have to tell you, when I got the thing, the fact that, when I got the email, the fact that it was called Villain Academy number one already had me like 80% of the way sold. And then I kind of forgot about it as I read. 
But then when I came back to it, the fact that her name is Persephone Bloodstone. She's also wearing a tuxedo vest without anything under it. Or, yeah, not even a bra. Do you think that this is a drawing or do you think this is a heavily photoshopped photo? I think it's a drawing. Yeah? Yeah. But they would draw her with this weird sort of dress pants, unibutton thing going on? Okay. Book number one, you're welcome. Thanks, Meg. Rory Franco, heir to the uh, Generalissimo. Do you want to hear about yours? I'm no, really but you're going to tell me. So this was a listener suggestion. Uh, friend of the podcast, Nate B. Um, That's too obvious. Has Let's submitted Amoyan Empire. What? Strange Subductions. Amoyan Empire. Oh, subductions. That's subductions and abductions combined, isn't it? Here's the description. Okay. Nicholas Steiner, who goes by Nico, was your average college student geek. He spent much of his free time playing games and watching anime with his friend Steve. (laughs) That all changed one day while coming out of class, he meets a girl with incredible blue eyes. So much so, he did something that few geeks would ever dream of doing. He met her so much so? Mm Mm-hmm. So much so, he did something that few geeks would ever dream of doing. He talked to her. Now, though, at this crossroads in his life, he finds himself at odds with the man he calls, in quotes, father, and that girl of his dreams. The man he calls father raised him, sort of. He spent most of Nico's life working on secret government projects, but his lucrative career has provided Nico with a good life. However, this girl, who is she? Why is she being followed? What secrets She's does she being have to followed? hide? Is she Russian? <laughs> <laughs> she has an accent that he just can't seem to place. She's an alien. In the course of just a few days, Nico's life begins to unravel as the life he thought he knew and a reality he could never dream possible collides. Will he survive to tell the tale? And who on earth will believe him? So, this is Ready Player 69. I cannot wait. He talks to her. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Nate. Is she she Russian? No. Is she Russian? She's an alien. I'm calling that right now. Yeah. An alien or a demon. Yeah. Um, so that is going to do it for this week of, uh, Bibliovile. We'll see you next time for Strange Subductions. Strange Subductions. I can't wait. Yeah, all right. Um, in addition, we had a seventh-month-old article come to our attention. Yes! That praises the Molly's Monster Project as one of the better actual play podcasts, and... The person is insane. Thank you so much for writing that. Yeah, That's a crazy thing. Oh my gosh, that was so cool. It was nice. I'm sorry that we dropped that project like wet clay. I am advocating that we finish it. It's been a really long time. Uh, probably over a year since we did oh. the most recent episode. Yes. Almost oh. two, maybe. I don't think we've done it since we've lived in this house. Uh, we did one because no, we, we had Luca one. over. That's true. Um, but I would really, I would really like to finish it. And so I am advocating for one more, at least, episode where we can tie up loose ends, maybe bring our adventure to a close. I am going to have to re-listen to all of the old episodes because I don't remember where we left off. Yes. If uh, if I can arrange the scheduling, then I might just go ahead and re-release everything. 
uh, as like new-ish episodes so that they appear on the feed all at once uh, so that everyone can get caught up. That might not be a terrible yeah. idea. Or I'll just like kind of edit it down into one super episode that wouldn't be literally the entire episode, but would be, you know, more or less. I ain't got shit else to do. So thank you so much for joining us here. I look forward to whatever comes next in the feed. Uh, you can find me at Twitter or on Twitter at Dickie Ma, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. You can find the podcast at Bibliovile. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. And thank you, Nate B., for the suggestion for next week. And I look forward to uh, Michelle telling us if Madison has, number one, a building higher than 10 stories, and number two, informing us what the city spirit actually is. Good night, Michelle.